0: This Lord's Day, we continue our study in the Ten Commandments. We are up to the Fifth Commandment, so here, God's holy word, his law. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's give thanks together. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your holy law. We pray that by your Holy Spirit you would empower us and strengthen us and encourage us to obey it, to keep it. To love it, to make it part of our, our our identity in our bones and in our heart and in our minds all the time. We ask you as we meditate on these things now, that you would illumine our minds by your Holy Spirit, that all the ways that we need to obey this might come to mind and we might make corrections where necessary. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What would you say is the key to long life and health and happiness? What What's the trick? What's your secret? Is it the perfect diet? Do you do you have a do you have a idea of what that looks like? Is it a healthy exercise regimen? What is it? Is it lots of sunshine and fresh air, free from pollution? Is it access to affordable and uh, easily obtained healthcare? Maybe maybe the key or the secret to long life is abstaining from certain things, maybe abstaining from alcohol or abstaining from tobacco, and that is what's going to guarantee you many years. Tips and secrets to a long and healthy life populate the covers of the magazines of uh, the grocery store checkout lines and and the clickbait articles on the internet all have these wonderful things that you can take or do or change in your life to have a long and healthy life. These solutions promise longevity if only you eat the right things, do the right exercises, buy the right crystal or whatever, and avoid other things. But here's what we all need to know. The Lord never makes those promises. He never says that diet and exercise guarantee a long and healthy and happy life. These may be things you enjoy. They may make you feel really good or help you to avoid certain complications. They may even be very wise. But God hasn't built specific promises into them. There is one thing that God says will ordinarily give you long and happy years, and that is obedience to the fifth commandment. God says, honor your father and your mother and your days will be long and it will be well with you in the land that I give you. That's the one thing that God said will give us many years, but it's the one thing that never makes the cover of any magazine. It isn't emblazoned on any motivational posters. They don't print it on the cups at Chipotle or the cups at Starbucks. And yet among all of our efforts to have long and happy lives, This is the one thing that deserves our highest attention. And we need to hear it and we need to learn it and get it into ourselves and understand what it means to honor our father and mother. This is the commandment that comes with a promise. And if we want the blessings of the promise, we must submit to and obey the commandment. As we've been studying these 10 law words that God gave to Israel I've made references here and there to the book of Deuteronomy. And why is that? Let's remember what uh, the, the narrative of the history is. God gave his law to his people at Mount Sinai in the time of the generation that came out of Egypt. But that generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. So before it was time to go take the land of promise 40 years later, Moses rehearsed the law to the new generation and preached a series of sermons on it, elaborating on God's law, and that those sermons on God's law to that second generation is called the book of Deuteronomy. If we had weeks and weeks and weeks to spend on each law, we'd spend one week looking at Exodus, and we probably spend five weeks looking at Deuteronomy and the application and the case law of each commandment. But in the interest of keeping it moving, I can only dip here and there in Deuteronomy where we can to provide further illumination. And the fifth commandment is another place where Moses states the law one way from God in Exodus, and then he elaborates on it way over in Deuteronomy. He elaborates on it further. So in Exodus, he says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. That's the commandment in Exodus. But then in Deuteronomy, after 40 years of dealing with disobedient, rebellious people, and now having the opportunity to communicate the law once again to their children, he adds a few things. Over in Deuteronomy 5, he says, Honor your father and mother as Yahweh your God has commanded you. He adds this to it, that that this is God. Giving this authority. God is issuing this commandment, and He's the one giving the authority to mother and father. Their authority is an extension of His authority. And then Moses goes on to say in Deuteronomy that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which Yahweh your God is giving you. So there's an emphasis on not only many days, not only an emphasis on endurance and long days but on prosperity and blessing and joy in those days. Those are going to be good days, not just long days, but good days. Many years are not a blessing if they're years of futility, if they're years of pain, if they're years of suffering. But the promise in Deuteronomy, when this commandment comes the second time, is not only that there will be many days to those who keep this commandment, but fruitful days, good days, happy days. We're going to come back to Deuteronomy in just a moment, but to set an outline for our study today, I want to look at this commandment in three parts, and I want to look at three sections. First of all, what does it mean to honor? Who is my mother and my father? And what is this promise about the land or the ground where we're to be blessed? Uh, What is that referring to? First of all, what does it mean to honor? The commandment says, honor your father and your mother. The word honor at root In the original language, in the Hebrew, the word honor is heavy. And used as a verb, it means to make heavy. The same word is translated other places as glorify. To glorify something is to treat it as if it were heavy. Glorious things are typically heavy things. Precious metals like gold and silver, precious gems are heavy And they are glorious. If you've ever tried to pick up uh, a silver or gold, uh, a few ounces, it feels hefty. It feels weighty. Things that make an impression on you are heavy. In in common English, we talk this way. We say, this is a weighty matter. Or when someone says something that's deep, what do we say? Oh, that's real heavy, man. That's real heavy. A person who is important has weight. Weight. Or if they're silly or irrelevant, we say they're a lightweight, right? Something that's trivial or superficial is light, but things that are glorious are heavy. So to honor something in biblical language is to make it heavy or to treat it as heavy. Now, you can't always make someone heavy, make someone glorious. You can't always uh, uh, make a thing glorious, but you can treat it as if it were. Some of you may have grown up with parents who were shallow or silly or the opposite of glorious in every possible way. But the law says, God's law says to treat them as heavy, treat them with honor. So you have to figure this out in the dynamic of your relationship. How do I treat them with honor? How do I obey this? How do I treat them as if they were heavy and weighty? The opposite of that, the opposite is to make light of or to repudiate, which the law forbids. How do I How do I make light? Well, I could speak dismissively to them, or I could speak dismissively of them, or I could tell them, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Like the prodigal son, remember, who asked his father while his father was still living, asked his father for his inheritance. If you ask your dad for your inheritance while he's still living, that's like saying, I wish you were dead. That's to treat your father lightly. That's not to honor your father. So the command is, don't disrespect your father and your mother. Children, do you ever roll your eyes when mom or dad are speaking? Or when they tell you to do something, is your response to a command to huff or to roll your eyes? Do you ever mock them? Do you ever do you ever nod your head when they give you a command, but in your heart, as you nod your head and you're listening to instructions, you're already devising a way to disobey. You're already devising a way to figure out how to get away with doing the exact opposite. That's what this commandment forbids. That's making light of your parents. That's failing to make them heavy. That's failing to honor them. It's interesting to look quickly at a couple of places where this word make heavy or honor or glorified is used in contrast with lightness. You remember in 1 Samuel, uh, the sons of Eli, the, the, Eli was the priest and his sons dishonored their father. They were philandering with women in the tabernacle. They were taking the choice parts of people's sacrifices for themselves and eating them for themselves. They were making light of their father. They were making light of the tabernacle. They were making light of the sacrifices. And in all of this, they were actually making light of Yahweh. They weren't treating him as glorious or heavy. They aren't taking anything seriously, anything that has to do with the worship of God. They're disrespecting these things, and so they are disrespecting Yahweh. Therefore, Yahweh says to their father, Yahweh says to Eli, those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. So what what does God say to Eli? He says, those who treat me as heavy... I will make heavy. I will make glorious. I will make weighty. Those who lightly esteem me, I will treat just as lightly. I will treat you and your works. If you treat me lightly, I will treat you as wood, hay, and straw. If you treat me as glorious, I will treat you like gold, silver, and precious stones, as as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. Things that are heavy have value and longevity. Things that are light, are, they burn up easily and they're blown away and they're forgotten. So you esteem God lightly and the things that God has established as glorious lightly. And if you esteem the authorities that God has placed in your life lightly, God is going to treat you lightly. The word honor means treat as, as heavy, as important. And it foreshadows the promise. It foreshadows the promise at the end of the commandment that, uh, there's going to be, there are going to be consequences. You are going to be treated lightly if you disrespect mother and father. So that's what it means to honor. Secondly, what, who is our father and our mother? Obviously, the primary uh, person, the the primary people we are talking about here are the people who gave birth to you, the people who raised you in their home, or if you're adopted, it, it is those people who adopted you and raised you. It is the home where we first learn honor and respect and submission to authority. Your mother and father are God's ordained representatives of his own authority over you. So mom and dad are certainly the primary recipients of your honor, and their authority is the primary application of this, of this commandment. Add to that your forefathers. Add to that your ancestors. Add to that your fathers in the faith. Those who have, have fought the good fight. Those who have delivered the truth down through the ages. Who have preserved God's word. Who have built up the church. Those are our fathers and our mothers who we honor. But when Moses preaches on the fifth commandment in Deuteronomy, he expands. So he talks about mother and father, but he expands on that, and he includes other God-ordained authorities. In Deuteronomy 16, when, when Moses teaches on the fifth commandment, he writes that it's the duty of judges to establish Yahweh as the ultimate authority in the land. And you think, what does that got to do with the fifth commandment? Well, he's establishing the authorities that are over uh, all humanity. God has structured society in a hierarchical way so that everybody answers to somebody, everybody submits to somebody. And so uh, that's where Moses goes in his comments and in his teaching on the fifth commandment. He talks about the judges and the officials in every town, and he says to them, don't put up idols and put to death anybody who does. And Moses covers the responsibilities of judges and civil magistrates and kings and Levites and prophets. Each office has responsibilities. Each office has limitations under God. All of life is hierarchical. All of life and every authority has boundaries. And God is over all. No one has absolute authority. So when Moses expands on the fifth commandment, the application is not only about the authority of the family, father and mother, He's also talking about submitting to judges and priests and kings and prophets. And this is commonly how the fifth commandment is taught and understood in the Reformed tradition. In the Heidelberg Catechism question, what does God require in the fifth commandment? The answer is, listen closely, what does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother. We got that. And... To all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. The Heidelberg Catechism is just consistent with Moses' teaching on the fifth commandment. In Deuteronomy 17, Moses talks about how you receive the judgment of a judge or a court. Moses says if a matter is too difficult to sort out between two parties, Take it to the priests, to the Levites, to the elders, the judge. State your case and they will pronounce a judgment. And then Moses writes, you shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in that place which Yahweh chooses and you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you. Obeying the verdict of a lawful court or obeying the decision of a judge or magistrate is obedience to the fifth commandment, according to Moses. And then he says, if you rise up, and you rebel against the court's judgment, you're to be put to death. If if you have the opportunity to appeal, you appeal. Appeal is not rebellion. A request for justice, a request for a hearing, a request for mercy is not rebellion. That's taking the opportunity that the law provides for you. But once the matter is settled and final, God's word says, obey and follow and submit to the decision. Now, one principle here is whatever the human authority it's preferable to live with a certain amount of frustration. It's, it's preferable to live with imperfection than to tear down the authority of those God has placed over you. And you and I live, it's just as a normal matter of course. We live in a fallen world with all kinds of imperfections. There are all kinds of things that we would do differently. We would maybe tax differently. We would uh, uh, put different things and different protections and different structures in place. But obedience to the fifth commandment And recalling all of the applications of the fifth commandment in Deuteronomy uh, are all pointing in a a very anti-revolutionary direction. The fifth commandment is anti-revolutionary. You can put up with a lot of injustice, just like Jesus did, but if you get rid of human government altogether, you find yourself in a situation that's far worse. There's no justice at all in anarchy. But but that's what people get when they start revolutions. Toppling a bad guy or toppling a government you disagree with and running things your way means nothing if your children are starving and your wife has been murdered and your house is burnt to the ground. That's what you get when you rebel against authority and you are, are revolting and you are um, uh, seeking anarchy and the teardown of, of all structures. The alternative to revolution is reformation. Reformation is trust in gradual transformation, like John read this morning about the about the mustard seed. That's how the that's how the kingdom grows. It starts out small and gradual and cumulative and 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 uh, and persistent ways. The the kingdom grows to fill the whole earth. Like leaven uh, is another typical biblical image. So even if a court or a legislative body makes a decision you know is wrong, you live with it while you seek peaceful change. What's the alternative? Well, the alternative is anarchy. But the Bible often shows us we see that social change comes through the submission of God's people to situations that are not altogether just or fair, like Jacob submitting to Laban, like Joseph in Egypt, like Daniel in uh, Babylon. Unlike Mordecai in Esther, all of the bad stuff in Esther happens after Mordecai uh, doesn't honor the authority that God placed over him. So, Moses' commentary on the fifth commandment starts there and says submit to the courts. And then, and then Moses, under the heading of the fifth commandment, he's still talking about the fifth commandment. Then he moves to the duties and responsibilities of the king. The king is not at the top of the food chain. The king is not the highest authority. The king submits to God. And there are things the king cannot do. God's law says the king can't multiply horses, he can't multiply wives, he can't multiply gold. Why not multiply horses? Well, that's that's a large standing army. He can't do that. He can't multiply wives. He's got one wife. He can't multiply gold for himself. He shall not have his heart lifted up over his countrymen, but remember that he is their servant. The king that does this is a king that recognizes that he answers to a higher authority. But later, we see King Solomon, his heart is lifted up above his brethren and he does exactly what God tells him not to do. Solomon multiplies horses and he, he multiplies wives and he multiplies gold because he takes himself so seriously. He takes himself heavily. He honors himself. God treats him as light. And when he dies, when Solomon dies, the kingdom falls apart. So after laws for kings... Moses gives us laws for Levites and laws for the prophets. There are always responsibilities of the leaders toward their people, and there are always responsibilities of the people toward their leaders. And each office has its own sphere of juris- jurisdiction. It has its own boundaries. There are spheres of service and spheres of responsibility. And the king must listen to the priest, just as Saul must listen to Uh, Samuel, just as David had to listen to Nathan. Sometimes the priest does the king's bidding, as when Hilkiah does Josiah's bidding. There are spheres, and they each have duties, and they each recognize and love each other's duties, and again, all of this instruction is under the heading of the fifth commandment over in Deuteronomy. How do we apply this to our situation? How do we apply this to our context? All my cards are on the table. You understand I'm covering God's law now because we so desperately need to understand the framework and the basis for a stable society, for an orderly society. And you and I are living in a curious situation, historically speaking. We're living in a very strange situation where we don't have kings, we don't have lords, we don't, we don't have an emperor. In our context, in the United States, we have a constitution. We have a covenant an agreement that guides our life together, and it sets the boundaries and the limitations on our central government. We also have state constitutions as well that do the same on a more local level. But we don't elect kings. We're not subjects. We're citizens. And we don't elect kings. We elect men and women whose job it is to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and the people we elect are the protectors of that. They take an oath to uphold the Constitution. So for us, obedience to our forefathers and obedience to the authority that God has ordained over us means keeping the covenant that we the people have made together. And where those who have been elected to uphold the Constitution have broken their oath, they have broken their vow, and they violate the contract, they have broken covenant proper loyalty then is expressed to the covenant and not the covenant breaker. If they cross jurisdictional boundaries, if they take on for themselves authority that hasn't been given to them by God, if their edicts go against what God has commanded us to do, then we keep the fifth commandment by honoring the covenant and submitting to God. You understand, the beef that the colonies had in 1776, the beef that the colonies had with King George was that he broke covenant. Not that he was a king, not that he was across the ocean, he broke covenant. And they declared their independence from a covenant breaker. And and that's why that was not a revolutionary war. We never call it, shouldn't call it a revolutionary war. It's a war for independence. It was a war for independence from a covenant breaker. Now, We must understand obedience to the fifth commandment doesn't mean doing whatever anybody tells you to do. God has ordered the world under authorities who have jurisdictions and boundaries. God has organized the family with its own authority and with its own boundaries. God has organized the church with its own authority and with its own boundaries. God has organized the state with its own authorities and boundaries. A child doesn't have to honor every father But he must honor his own father, right? And there are limits to what his father can require. You cannot require your son to steal. You cannot require your son to murder. You cannot require your son to blaspheme. There are limits on all human authority. Every sphere of authority has its limits. I'm your pastor, but I cannot require you to buy 2% milk. I can't do it. If I wanted to, I, why would I want to? <laughs> I can't require you to buy 2% milk. I can't tell you that you have to drive a Ford. I can't, I can't tell you that you have to root for NC State basketball. And why would I? But there it is. I can't tell you that you're required to do that. And if I do that, your job and your, your, your responsibility is to tell me, get in your lane. You're not you're not the authority here. You tell me, I think you've lost your mind and go jump in a lake if you want to say that because those things are not in my jurisdiction. If a 5-year-old tells you to wear a blue sir- shirt, you're free to ignore it. You don't have to listen because he doesn't have any authority. If the mailman tells you to take your vitamins, I mean, you're you can listen or not. He has no authority. So, again, When a county commissioner says you can't take communion and worship, for example, well, you know what to do. When the Supreme Court rules that church is less important than casinos, as they did this past week, well, disregard and tell them to stay in their lane. So who is my father and my mother? The way Moses interprets it is all God-ordained authorities, understanding that they're all under God, and there are bounds and there are limits on their authority. Now what is the land very quickly what is the land and what is this promise of long life on the land or in the land in the Old covenant all of the promises there are so many promises tied to life in the land of Canaan in the promised land before they go into the land God points to them the boundaries he says it's from the Mediterranean Sea to the river it's to the mountains to the north and the wilderness of Zin to the south these are the boundaries of the promised land and within this land of promise which is a land flowing with milk and honey it's a land of great bounty it's the house of bread. This is the place where you're going to thrive. If you leave this land, I don't have any promises for you. Don't go down to Egypt. Don't go looking other places for blessing. Here is your environment of blessing. And so long as you are faithful to me, I will keep you alive and I will bless you in the land of promise. If you leave the land, you perish. And if you carry on rebellion in this land, God says this land will spit you out. In Leviticus 20, And God is talking about all kinds of sexual perversion and necromancy. He says, if you do these things, you will be cut off from the land. See, the land spit out the Canaanites. And if you act like Canaanites, you're going to be spit out as well. And this is what God says. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. Well, you see, that's the opposite outcome of the promise that God makes in the fifth commandment. In the fifth commandment, he says, you will dwell in the land. You will be blessed in the land. If you honor God's authorities, the land will be a blessing to you. But if you dishonor them, the land will vomit you out. Now, you know the book of Revelation, and Jesus says something similar over there to the church of Laodicea. He says to Laodicea, because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He's referencing Leviticus. Because they are in the body of Christ. He is their home. He is their promised land. And so he said, I will spit you out of the body, just as idolaters are spit out of the land. Because now Christ is our environment. Christ is the location of our blessing. It's not a geographic region any longer, but our blessing is in Christ. In fact, if you want to look at it this way, the entire world has been opened up as our promised land. Jesus sets us up, just as he set Joshua up and said, here are the boundaries. Jesus sets us up in Acts eight, and he says, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. This is your promised land. This is the arena of my blessing to you. All of creation is the environment of God's life-giving, hope-giving, flourishing blessing to you. And all of life is yours. Life in full is yours if you obey. But those who dishonor or repudiate God's authorities and rebel... On them will fall the full weight of the curse. The earth will not give you rest. The earth will not give you peace if you rebel. Obey and submit to proper authority and you will thrive. Now, now we've taken the whole thing apart. Let's put it back together um, and get to the heart of what God is commanding us in the fifth commandment. This commandment goes right to the center, right to the heart of, of our rebellious attitudes toward God. Man's great sin is rebellion against God, but we don't see God. So how do we rebel against him? The way that God makes himself present to us and the way that he makes his authority visible to us is through his appointed representatives, through human authorities, magistrates, church officers, parents. Our rebellion against God primarily takes form as rebellion against authority first. That's that's who we get mad at first. When we get mad at God's authority, we typically are getting mad at his human representatives. If you ask somebody, no, I'm not mad at God. I don't even think about God. If he exists, I I don't think about that. Well, you might follow up. What do you think about your parents? Oh, my parents. Well, I hate them. How do you feel about the church? Well, I used to go, but I got tired of people telling me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. Okay, you hate God then. You see, all of our rebellion against human authority is rebellion against God. If they hate authority, it's because they hate God. And the result is strife and unrest and turmoil, and we are living out the curse. We are living out this disorder because of our disorderly living. That's, that's the first thing. This points us to blessing in, in, uh, in following created hierarchies of authority. Secondly, the Bible shows us that societal transformation comes through reformation, not rebellion. How do you change a situation if you don't like it? Through confrontation, by burning things, by destroying things or by submitting to authority where you can and peacefully, uh, peacefully resisting it where you can Especially when we submit to the painful commands and God can change the heart of the authorities whenever it pleases him. He changed Pharaoh's heart in Joseph's day. He changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart in Daniel's day because they submitted where they could and passively resisted where they couldn't, where the uh, laws or the rules um, uh Counter uh, contradicted what God told them to do. That's where they resisted, and they appealed wherever possible. Can we eat different food? This food is not clean. This food is not uh, uh, is is not. We wouldn't be obeying God if we ate this food. Can we eat something else? That's an appeal. But figuring all this out is complicated. It requires biblical wisdom. To know when to stand when everybody else is kneeling to the towering idol. To know when to do the different thing while everybody else is going a different direction. It takes wisdom. It's so much easier either to turn to violence and rebellion and revolution or just to retreat from everything and capitulate. Those are the options that the pagans have. Those are the easy ways. In the Bible, appealing to authority, peacefully resisting, and saying... Here's where line and submitting to authority where you can, that's how things are changed. We practice patient faith, we can wait and we can be at peace because we know who's in charge, we know who's writing history, even while we live with a lot of very obnoxious things. So, finally, I want to come back to how the fifth commandment functions every day in the home, and this is it. Lastly. Children, I'm addressing you because this commandment addresses you first. Children, and by children, I mean if you don't pay your own bills and if you live under a house uh, roof that is paid for by somebody else, um, this is for you. Of all the commandments, this commandment is the one addressed to you directly. Your number one duty in life right now is to honor your father and your mother. You have one job, children, That is to honor mom and dad. Please them by listening to their counsel, by doing what they say right away and cheerfully. You want long life on the earth? Can you nod your head if you want long life on the earth? You want to live to six? You want to live long enough to make it out of the house one day? Honor mom and dad. Respect them. Obey them. Don't roll their eye. Don't roll your eyes when they tell you what to do. Don't scoff and fume. Don't treat them like fools, like you know more than they do. They are God's representatives in your life. They are the nearest representation of God's authority and love and blessing in your life. And they sacrifice a great deal to give you what you need. I know your mom and dad, and they work hard to give you what you need. Submit to them. It is your number one job in life to obey the man Man and the woman God has placed over you. Honor your father and mother. Father and mothers, it's your duty to model obedience for your children. You help your children obey the fifth commandment when you show them what it looks like. How many parents you know curse every authority? They complain about their boss. They complain about their elders. They complain about their government. And they justify disobedience all over the place. And they turn around and tell their kids, you better straighten up and obey. Why should I obey? You just demonstrated rebellion for me. And this takes a lot of mutual love between mom and dad. Mom, uphold dad's word in the home. Model respect for dad. And don't roll your eyes. Don't treat him like a fool. Don't make light of his authority. Because in doing that, you undermine your own authority. If you have a disagreement, deal with it out of sight of the kids. But in front of the children, show respect Dads, you don't do that to mom either. Don't disregard or marginalize mom. Don't show your kids how to disrespect mom. Mom has real authority over the children. God says, honor your father and your mother. He includes her because she's to be obeyed and respected as well. Do this, children. Do this, mom. Do this, dad. Everybody obey God's law and everybody has long and peaceful days. That's God's promise. Do you want a long and healthy and happy life? I've got the secret. You want to hear it? God says, honor father and mother. That's the way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your law. And we ask you to write it on our hearts and help us to love it and live it. Father, strengthen us, we pray by your Holy Spirit. We may do this in Jesus name. Amen.